Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community, deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning, good, good, good morning, good, 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 good morning, gonna be a great day. Again, good, good, good morning, good, good, good morning, good, good morning, gonna be a great day. Okay, they're waking up now, so we can do a little more. Good morning, good, good, good. Careful, 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 careful. A good morning, gonna be a great. Oh, there's energy now. The coffee came. Good, a good morning. Good, good, a good, good, good morning. Good, a good, good morning. Everybody's awake. Here we go. Good, a good, good, good morning. Good, a good, good morning. Good, good. Last time. Good morning, gonna be a great day. Good morning. So friends, can we just take a moment to appreciate and welcome Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, our new Director of Worship Arts Ministries. Welcome to this day. Welcome to our community. We have been waiting for you. Now, I know you all are already resonating with the sound and the skills that Dr. Rideout brings. I hope that you will also, after the service today and in the years to come, take the time to welcome him and get to know his whole being. It is beautiful, and we are so glad you're with us. Let's embody that universalist spirit of love and hope together in how we are with one another. Most importantly, how we welcome each and every person here today and in every corner of our lives. So welcome to each and every one of us this morning. My name's Jen Crow. I'm one of the ministers at the First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, and we are so glad that each and every one of you is here. Now, whether you're here in person with us or you are watching the recording later or listening to us in your car or on your walk or on your commute or late at night when you are up with a little baby, we are so glad you are here with us. We all need the hope we will find together as we build this community we long for. Founded over 160 years ago, First Universalist Church grounds itself in the spiritual practices of giving and receiving and growing together. We do this by welcoming, affirming, and protecting the light in each and every human heart, by listening deeply to where love is calling us next, and with humility, compassion, and courage, acting for justice in the world. We do all of this as a faith community committed to dismantling white supremacy culture, ending oppression in all of its forms, and creating beloved community, a place of liberation, freedom, and belonging for us all. This is who we are at First Universalist Church. This is the life that we are inviting you into when you journey with us. We hope you'll check out our website and connect with us in all the ways you can. So this morning, we ground ourselves as we begin in this time and place. 
We acknowledge that we come to you today from Minneapolis, Minnesota, from First Universalist Church, from the shores of Lake Harriet and the contemporary and traditional homelands of the Anishinaabe and Dakota peoples, the original stewards of this land. We acknowledge the trauma and the resilience that is deeply embedded in this country and in this land, and we lift up the communities of resistance that continue to side with love teaching us through their persistence and courage and creativity that another way is possible. Another way is possible. Another world is possible together, rooted in the values and the faith that has held and challenged us for generations. We share a common purpose, to build the beloved community right here on earth, a place and a time where we can know ourselves and each other and every human being as whole and holy, worthy and wanted where we can know ourselves and each other as beloved, beloved, beloved. This is what we are about. This is the world we are creating together. So let's build this community and each other up, and we begin by making room for all of who we are, grounding ourselves in whatever way works best for you. For me, it is a way of the breath, a way of the body. And so I am grounding my feet I am feeling my feet on the ground. I am feeling the breeze on my face, on my arms. And I invite you, if it works for you, into three intentional breaths together. Breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and breathing out. And at your own pace, one more. Breath in. And breath out. We are connected through time and space, through shared breath, together. Let's begin by lighting our chalice. I'll say a phrase, and I invite you to say it back to me. Love is the spirit of this church. Spirit of this church. And service is its law. And service is its law. This is our great covenant. This is our great covenant. To dwell together in peace. To dwell together in peace. To seek the truth in love. To seek the truth in love. And to help one another. And to help one another. Today I bring you a story from that ancient collection of Indian tales about animals, the Panchatantra. And this is a story about cooperation. So I would like to invite you to cooperate and participate in the telling of this story if you feel comfortable doing so. Because there are parts in the story where a large group of characters take action together, and you are a large group of characters. Um, so I would, if you will, listen for when I say words like all or everyone, and then do what I do. For example, all the birds flew away. So you can stand up and do that, or you can sit in your seat and do that, or if the best way for you to participate and feel involved in the story is to just sit and listen, that is fine too.
There was a big tree where many birds of all types came every day to meet up and talk and gossip and share their songs. But one day, the old crow saw a human lurking in the bushes. I know that man, he said. He's a hunter. He's going to try to trap us. So the crow told the cuckoo and the nightingale and the parrot and the thrush and the jay, all the birds big and small, to stay away from the tree the next day. Sure enough, that hunter came in the dark of night before the sun came up, and he spread a big net on the ground under the tree, pushed it down among the grass so it couldn't be seen, and sprinkled corn all over it, took two long ropes attached to the net and hid in the shrubs. Then he waited, but the birds didn't come, except for a big flock of pigeons. They flew here and there looking for food every day, and they weren't there when the crow gave his warning. And now all the pigeons were flying around looking down for food, and they saw <gasps> corn, and down they swooped, whoo, 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 and began to peck at that corn. Nom, 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 nom. They all ate, and in the bushes, the hunter tugged on the rope, and the birds were caught. Oh no, they all began to panic. Their, their legs were caught, their feet were caught. They moved around, they twisted, they twisted, they went in every direction, flailing about. But they were caught, and the more they wiggled and moved, the more tangled they got. Until one pigeon cried, stop, stop. If we're going to get out of this, we have got to calm down and work together. So first of all, everybody, Take a deep breath in and let it out. Okay, now everybody turn and face in the same direction. Now, you're already facing in the same direction, but this was a little hard for the pigeons because they were going every which way. But they shuffled around and they wiggled and they got going in one way. And now, said the lead pigeon, on the count of three, we're all going to flap our wings at the same time. One, two, three, flap, 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 and up into the air they rose. It was like one bird with one giant pair of wings, and they rose up higher and higher, and the hunter came running out from the bushes, and he saw his net flying through the sky and away. So that's how the birds, by cooperating, saved themselves from the hunter. But you see, they still had a problem, right? They still had this net tangled all around their feet. The crow, the old crow, flew over next to them and said, I think I know someone who can help. Follow me. So the pigeons all flew, following the crow, to a big open field. And the crow swooped down in the field. And in one giant swoop, whoo, the pigeons followed him down, a little bumpy landing. And then the crow hopped over to a little hole and said, Ms. Mouse, Ms. Mouse, we need your help here. And a little mouse popped out. Oh, she said, I see what your problem is. I can't solve it by myself. And she popped back into her hole, and then suddenly hundreds of little mice, all of them, everyone, scurried out of the holes. And they surrounded those nets, and they began to bite and chew. Gnaw, gnaw, nibble, nibble, chomp, chomp, chomp. 
gnaw, gnaw, nibble, nibble, chomp, 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 gnaw, gnaw, nibble, nibble, chomp, 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 until they had eaten through all of the net and the ropes lay in tatters on the ground and the pigeons were released and as they flew off into the sky one by one, they dipped their wing and waved goodbye and thanks to the crow and the mice. And I thank you for being part of the story. Thank you for that amazing, amazing story. My goodness, it is good to be with you all. Friends, each week when we gather, we make time to remember who we are, what we're about, the care that is at the heart of this community. Like geese, like the birds in Sue's story, we stay close together when we are healthy and strong and when we are weakened and hurting. We work together to lift all of us up. We know that none of us gets through this life alone. And each week when we gather, we set aside this time to open our hearts, open our spirits, in this time of prayer, this time of reflection on our deep interconnection, a time of quieting so that we can listen for the spirit as it moves through our lives, a time to listen to our deepest and most cherished values. And so I invite you, as you are comfortable, close your eyes if that feels right, let your gaze be soft. Feel your feet on the ground beneath you. Feel and know yourself held. Spirit of life, spirit of love. God, who my ancestors knew and knelt and prayed to. These are weighty moments we are moving through right now weighty and uncertain times. Help us to remember that none of us is alone. Humans that we are, we might meet this uncertainty with a desire to control. We might reach out for what we believe we can hold on to, what we believe we can keep from changing. This is only natural. And it is quite likely that this is hard on those around us. Even worse is that this tendency to reach and try to control in the face of uncertainty is so clear when we see others doing it and so invisible when we are the ones who are grasping. We are soaring on uncertain winds these days. How we find balance separately and together has become such an important question. What we do when we lose our balance, perhaps an even more important question. Spirit of life and love, help us to remember that we will all lose our balance sometimes. 
And when we do, help us to remember that we are not alone. Help us to feel into the relationships, the community that surrounds us. Help us to reach out, to ask for, and to receive help. These are challenging and uncertain times. The planet is letting us know that our relationship with it needs to change. There are huge existential questions that loom over us and lying back for just a moment, taking all of that in, we are still held by this good earth. Feel the earth under you. Feel it holding you. Take in the sky above you, the sky that is still the domain of trees and birds and clouds and rainbows, stars and meteors, a window to the vastness out of which our imaginations can create a new way. And we know well that if we can dream it together, we can make it real. We hold all these things together here in the sanctuary here in our hearts. And I invite you now to name aloud or in silence what you are holding in your heart today, that we might surround your sorrows and joys in the embrace of this community. And I share these joys and concerns shared by you. Joy on this beautiful day, joy about not having to worry about where a meal is coming from, concerns about the situation in this world, excitement to support the last mile of the church renovation, concerns about safety for our young ones when they return to school, holding the crisis of global warming, great joy enjoying grandchildren, particularly as they develop their careers, as they grow into young adults. Prayers for a cell transplant cancer treatment, that it's successful. Joy in experiencing these services in community. Celebrating that Bloomington, Minnesota celebrated its first Pride Festival yesterday. Joy for a new daughter-in-law, joys at basketball, a baby due soon, horseback riding lessons, concerns about COVID and school. And we celebrate with Beth and Tyler who are getting married on October 22nd. Our hearts are also with the people of Haiti this morning as they work to rebuild and recover from yesterday's earthquake. Our care, our love, and spirit of fierce resistance is with the water protectors as they continue to resist the Line 3 pipeline. Unitarian Universalists and so many others continue to hear and answer the call to come to the front lines. We hold all these in our love and care as they protect and defend all of our futures. And we hold in our hearts the family and friends of Jean Stanislaw. 
Jean died earlier this week after a short illness. We will share memorial service information when it's available. Dear ones, with hearts open to all that has been shared, with hearts open to all we have received, our prayer is this. May the grip of addiction be loosened. May the weight of oppression be lightened. May joy break through, and may love make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Amen. sing Spirit of Life. Lessons from Canada geese. Fact number one. As each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the birds that follow. By flying in a V formation, the whole flock adds 71% greater flying range than if each bird flew alone. People who share a common direction and sense of community can get where they are going more quickly and easily because they are traveling on the thrust of one another. Fact number two. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of flying alone. It quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front of it. If we have as much sense as a goose, we stay in formation with those headed where we want to go. We are willing to accept their help and give our help to others. Fact number three. When the lead goose tires, it rotates back into the formation and another goose flies to the point position. It pays to take turns doing the hard tasks and sharing the leadership. As with geese, people are interdependent on each other's skills, capabilities, and unique arrangements of gifts, talents, or resources. Fact number four. The geese flying in formation honk to encourage those up front to keep up their speed. 
we need to make sure our honking is encouraging. In groups where there is encouragement, the production is much greater. Mm -hmm. The power of encouragement to stand by one's heart or core values and encourage the heart and core of another is the quality of honking we seek. Mm -hmm. Fact number five. When a goose gets sick, wounded, or shot down, two geese drop out of formation and follow it down to help and protect it. They stay with it until it dies or is able to fly again. Then they launch out with another formation or catch up with the flock. If we have as much sense as geese, we will stand by each other in difficult times as well as when we are strong. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that gives my heart such bliss? And takes away the pain of my soul, of my soul. And takes away the pain of my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down, sinking down. When I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's crown, friends to me gathered round of my soul, my soul, friends to me gathered round, oh, my soul, to love and to all friends I will sing, I will sing, to love and to all friends I Some of us always fall out of formation. 
We resist the order and the direction of the flock, and we go our own way. Sometimes we do this because we think we are just a little bit smarter, a little more clever than everyone else in the flock. We say to ourselves, I'm not going to take that route. This way might be more interesting, more colorful, more efficient, more engaging, perhaps even more challenging. So I'm going to drop out of the formation and take a path not known to the others around me. Many of us have come to Unitarian Universalism because we did not want to fly in the formation of doctrine or dogma. We sought to fly alone. We sought our unique and rarefied silo of belief and spiritual constructs with great individualistic pride. We may have done so, but maybe we've been a little petulant. Flying alone can be difficult, no matter how many great stories we share about where we soared and the sights we saw. Flying alone can be lonely. It can be frightening when those thunderstorms come and shelter seems impossible to find. Flying alone can be confusing. It can be disorienting when our compass goes astray and south becomes north and east becomes west. We have all been there, friends. I know I have. There are three times in my life where I have tried to fly alone, and each time I fell into holes. Not metaphorical holes, but real holes. <laughs> The first time I went out of formation was when I first saw a frozen lake, Michigan, <laughs> in the Indiana Dunes. I left the group, newly arrived to the great shores of Lake Michigan, not knowing about the freezing temperatures and the solidity of ice. I went on my own, left the group, decided to take a walk on the lake, and at about 30 feet out, the ice broke, and down I went into frigid water with no one around. Somehow, I pulled my giant self out of that water on the edge and rolled to the shore, cracking more ice along the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I was glad to see my flock beckon me back. The second time I went out of formation was in Harvard Square in Cambridge, Massachusetts in my 20s. I was working in a restaurant that, like so many East Coast restaurants, had a kitchen in the basement. I decided that day to get ahead of the chef and take in all of the produce and not wait for the team to come. So I unloaded the produce, piled up five boxes, and started walking towards the prep kitchen to get started. Little did I know, as I was walking to the prep kitchen, 
the city inspectors had opened a sewer hole in the basement. And I walked right into it, dropping 10 feet down in less than clear substances. Oh my, oh my Lord. As the produce boxes oh collapsed God. on top of me and muffled my cries for help. It took a while for someone to miss me, to find me, and ultimately to retrieve me. But I was so glad to see my flock lift me up and bring me back into the fold. The third time I went out of formation was in my backyard in Chicago in a new house. I was exploring the yard, waiting for contractors to come, and I discovered a mysterious shaft underneath the house that appeared to lead to another structure. So curious I was, <laughs> instead of waiting for the team of inspectors to arrive, I went into this little cave and fell about 20 feet into a cavernous hole that did not have the doorknob from Alice in Wonderland. Oh my God. As I bumbled around in there for over an hour, I was so glad when my flock found me and lowered a rope ladder for me to rejoin the group. My, 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 my. Friends, going in alone has been what we have done for this past year and a half. We have fallen into holes, into ruts, climbed out and have been helped out of them by friends and family and coworkers. While we liked wearing sweatpants to work, some days we really needed to wear shoes and walk with the geese to be a part of something bigger than ourselves in our little caves. Friends, we need that updraft of momentum to remind us that we are not alone and that we have destinations to reach together. Let's keep flying in community. Let's keep flying towards love. Let's keep flying in a formation that believes that justice is both desirable and attainable. So okay people, as Beyonce says, okay people, now let's get in formation. That is why we flew here together to Lake Harriet today, this morning, to church, to be the formation of First Universalists. Blessed be. In sixth grade religious education classes at church, we've done an activity that, at its essence, is a lesson about encouraging honking. And in this lesson, I tell the class that they'll be given a challenge and that their goal is to complete it together as a group. The first thing they need to do is select a volunteer, someone who's willing to sit in a chair like this one here, with their back to the class. The volunteer will have to throw balls that I've made out of wadded up scrap paper into a recycling bin. And the bin is placed behind them, so they have to launch the balls over their head without turning around or looking to see where they're going to land. The class nominates a thrower who comes up front and sits in the chair 
and I place about 20 paper balls in their lap. Then I tell the rest of the class that their job is to encourage the thrower. And they're to do this by saying encouraging things like, you can do it, and good job. So we brainstorm a few more encouraging phrases like, you've got this, and nice work. And then I say, now the thrower only has to get five balls in the bin. Okay? Ready, set, go. And the thrower starts out full of confidence and hope every time. The class shouts encouragement, but it just never goes well. It never goes well. Most of the paper balls don't even land near the bin, let alone inside of it. The class tries to help by yelling louder. Go! Go! You're doing great! Go! Go! But that doesn't help either. At the end, we collect all the paper balls that are scattered all around the classroom, and we let the thrower see how many made it into the bin, usually one or two at most. I ask the thrower if they want to try again. They do not. Usually, another volunteer steps up, and we go through the whole thing once more, but they fail too. I've never seen more than a couple make it into the bin. So then I say, let's try something new. Same setup for the thrower. Chair here, bin here, got to get five in. But this time, the rest of you have a different job. Instead of yelling encouragement, let's offer specific feedback. Something like, more to the left. We brainstorm some more examples of feedback that might be helpful. Throw it harder, more to the right, a little bit farther next time. And then I invite the reluctant first thrower back up to the front and say, I think you got it this time. Ready, set, go. And the thrower begins throwing balls behind them, but they're not making it in. And it looks like this just is going to be another loss. But instead of loud cheering, this time the class actually helps. Slow down. You're throwing them too hard. That was pretty good, but more to the right. Yeah, that's it. You can see the thrower begin to improve, and you can feel the class really pulling together. The feedback becomes very specific, just about three inches to the left next time, and the thrower's aim becomes better and better. Long before they run out of balls, they make five baskets, and the class erupts into celebration. I let them savor their victory, and then we laugh about how badly it went the first couple of times, and then we talk about what finally worked. And last, we talk about the helpful people in our lives, the encouraging honkers, the ones who go beyond cheering, to offer the kind of information we need in order to be better. These are the people who notice what we can't notice in a challenging situation. Over the years, folks like this have offered me really helpful feedback, like, it's okay to think something over before you make a decision. Or, maybe you should make an appointment with the doctor and ask them about that. And, one I hear often, you'll probably feel better after you get some sleep.
Thank goodness for those people who love us enough to tell us what we're missing. May we appreciate them. May we listen to them. And may we be them. When I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's crown, friends to me gathered round, oh, my soul. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.